Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Hello, TOP friends, family, and new listeners. We have a special announcement today. TOP is hosting a fun fair for kids aged 3 to 14 and their families Saturday, September 14th from 1 to 3 p.m. We'll have food, games, raffles, and more. Admission is $5 per child and includes three game tickets and a hot dog. Additional tickets will be available for purchase as well. We hope you'll come join us. The fun fair is on September 24th from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Tower of Pentecost, located at 930 Aaron Drive in Richland, Washington. so glad you are here today. So nice to see some of those that have not been here for a while. Amen. And our first time visitors. So see. Nice to have you. This friend of Sister McCune's. Nice to have her here with us today. Amen. All right. Good to have all the campers back home. Uh, we do appreciate everyone that helped so much, amen, in making our both junior and senior camps a success, and uh, got to have young people, got to have young people on fire for God. How many of you remember when once you were a young person on fire for God? How many of you are still on fire for God? There you go. The the main thing, really, of that Levitical priesthood, once God started that fire, he told them, don't you ever let my fire go out. I would not have wanted to be the one that uh, was on duty when and wherever that fire went out, I would have been hitting the road for sure. I would have, man. There ain't no way. No way. All right. I'm going to call your attention this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 27. Then we'll go to verse or chapter number 30. Had I known, Sister Autumn, that you were going to use... Finn and my photo there as a, as a move the mission photo, I would have stepped out of the way because with Finn there, you would have probably given more, okay? I'm just saying. All right. 1 Samuel chapter number 27. Verse number 1, and then we'll go to verse 5 and 6. Here we go. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. 
verse number 5 and 6. David said unto Achish, Achish was the gentleman or the king that uh, was ruling the Philistines and David had went over there because he was running and he said, if I have now found grace in your eyes, then give me a place in some town in the country. But he wanted home in the country. We all do, don't we? Just a nice little pleasant place to live. He says that I might dwell there, for why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with you? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day, wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And then chapter number 30, verses 1 through 6. Hallelujah. And it came to pass when David and his men, there were 600 of his men that were with him, they came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man, for his sons, for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Life speak to you this morning on this thought. Why Ziklag must burn. Amen. Why Ziklag must burn. If you would, we're going to ask you to lift your heart one more time to the Lord. You can ask Brother McCune if he would please pray. Hallelujah, that the Lord would touch us here by his word today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We will uh, we will get into this story here today, but bottom line is that unless Ziglag burns, David will never move forward. He will never get to Hebron, and he'll never get to Jerusalem. See, up to this point, we know David as the anointed shepherd boy who has been called by God to become the next king over Israel. He has taken on and killed the giant Goliath. He has become a hero of his nation by the people, but the king that he ultimately will replace is out to kill him. So David runs for his life. You can read about his little... Uh, time spent in the cave of 
uh, Abdullah or whatever it was called. And the Bible says that people came in from the country, from the city, those that were in distress, those that were in debt. An incredible story. He's got about 600 men with him at this point in time. And uh, we find that David in his thinking at this point, for whatever reason, and uh, I thank you, Brother Woods, for that lesson this morning. Who knows the heart? You think you know your heart? You think you know why you make the decisions that you do sometimes? But sometimes you get in the wrong path. At least I do. I have in the past. But David's thinking at this point is that it would be better to live in the land of the Philistines, who are the enemy of Israel. But he thinks it's best for him and his men to live in the land of Philistines than to die at the hand of King Saul. And so David, 600 men, they dwell with Achish at Gath. And uh, one day David says, you know, if I have found grace in your eyes, then... How about if you give me a nice place in the country? You know, give me a place to live, me and my men. That way we don't live in the city, uh, uh, in the capital, the royal city, and everybody will get the wrong impression of why that I'm there. Because the news had went out. If you read the story here, that we're told that Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain the ten thousands. He had a reputation as a warrior. So Achish gives David and his men this place called Ziklag. Formerly it was a place that was part of the, the boundaries of the tribe of Judah, but at this point it was controlled by the Philistines. We know David was married at this time, and, uh, but he had no children. For 16 months, Ziglag would not only be home for David, his men, and their families, but David would use that as his military base. He would raid the surrounding enemies in the area, then return to Ziglag, and he would tell Achish that, that he, was, uh, he was raiding his own tribes of Israel, but in fact, he was raiding the enemy around him. And it gets to the point where we find in 1 Samuel 29 that David volunteers to join up with the army of Achish and the Philistines to fight against Saul and the army of Israel. Think about that for a moment. Achish turns him down. I thought about this and it's a point worth mentioning. There are times that we need to be thankful when God turns down your request. Sometimes the, the good news is that God does not give you the things that you ask for. And we find David's turned down by the enemy, mind you. Three days later, they return to Ziglag and they find it been set on fire. All the women, all the children have been taken captive. We, 
we read to you verse number 4, Then David and the people with him, they raised their voices and they wept until they were too exhausted to weep any longer. You ever been there? Probably the only thing that would take us to that place is if we had lost our families, thinking at least that we had lost them completely. And David, we're told David was greatly distressed, not only because of what he was going through on a personal level, but because the very people that he was leading, they were now speaking in the tone of voice that, Let's stone this guy that has put us in this place. Whoa. Said, let's stone him. These were the guys that he had helped. They came running to him when they were in distress and debt, and he had brought them together, and now they were talking about stoning him because he had brought them to a place where the town had been burnt with fire and their families had been taken. David was in a real state of rejection. You ever felt rejection? He's been rejected by Saul. He's been rejected by Israel. He's been rejected by his own enemy, the Philistines. And now he's been rejected by his own men. Basically, David has lost everything. He's lost it all. I like what one person wrote. I don't know who wrote it. I found it. And he said this about rejection, and this fits so perfectly into our thought here this morning. He said, rejection is merely a redirection. It is a course correction to your destiny. You can hold on to that. You see, maybe there is someone here this morning that's facing the fire of rejection and what appears to be a total loss. But maybe as in David's life, maybe this is God's way of making a course correction in your life to get you to your God-called destiny. We don't generally move forward when, you know, when the fridge is full and when the bank account is rolling and the summertime weather is feeling really good, and we're taking the family on vacation. We usually don't move very well spiritually in that kind of an environment. But it is when God has to somehow correct your course in life to get you to the place where we do accept the idea and the prayer, not my will, Lord, but your will. You take me to the place that you will receive the glory that you are deserving of. 
He's in a crisis. But I love 1 Samuel 30 and verse number 6. And I've got a message on this, but I'm afraid to teach it, okay? I'm just saying that, but you'll get it probably here. Starts out, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. The Amplified Version says, but David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. Why? How? Well, how about this for starters? He still had his anointing. He still had his God call. He still had his anointing that he had received in his father's house by Samuel. He still held the sword of Goliath in his hand. That's right. He still had the victory over the bear and the lion. Oh, yeah. David found in this dire straits period, this event in his life, the Bible says that he strengthened and encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. David knew that God was still with him, but it wasn't until God put him in that fire that he began to realize that, Oh, Lord, I forgot to remember you in my thoughts in order for you to give me divine direction as to the course that you wanted to take me in my life. I probably shouldn't have aligned myself with the Philistines. Oh, and also... He still had Abiathar near who held the ephod. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Please bring me the ephod. What in the world is that all about? The ephod was... A over-the-shoulder girdle-type garment that the high priest wore. On it were the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. They were meant to carry the load, the burden of those twelve tribes on their shoulders, on their breasts. They were meant to remember who they were and why that they were standing there that day. Also, it contained what is called the Urim and the Thummim. Urim means light. Thummim means perfection. This was a means that God had allowed for the high priest to seek and find the perfect will of God during a crisis such as this. Now, there's not a lot of information on that, but it is what it is that. It was a God thing. Don't get it wrong. But 
But there's more to the story of this particular ephod. And here is the story behind it. 1 Samuel 21, David is running from Saul. Him and his men are three days without food. They're hungry. Where does David go? He goes to the house of God. Jesus makes reference to this if you want to read it in Luke the 6th chapter. He talks about what David did when he was hungry. Oh, come on, folks. What do you do when you're hungry for something? What do you do when you're hungry? It should compel you to go to a place where you are going to get the manna from God. David went to Nob. He was hungry. His men were hungry. Nob is a city of priests. The high priest, Ahimelech, is there. David says, is there any food for my man? And are there any weapons around? He is giving the showbread, which at the time everybody thought it was unlawful. That's right. He says, is there anything to eat? Ahimelech the high priest says, David, the only thing that is here is the showbread, or they call it the bread of his presence. It's in the holy place. David is hungry. Where do you go? Then he says this. How about a weapon? Ahimelech says this. Listen carefully. The only weapon, David, in the house is a sword of Goliath. This is prior to Ziglag here, okay? He says the only weapon is a sword of Goliath. And it's wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. Hold on to that for a moment. David takes the bread and the sword. After David and his men leave, there is one of Saul's men who has watched the scene. Doag or whatever his name is. He tells Saul what Ahimelech, the high priest, has done for David. Saul orders 86 priests killed including Ahimelech. However, 1 Samuel 22 and 20, one of the sons of Ahimelech named Abiathar escaped and fled after David. 23 and 6, when Abiathar fled to David at Kalil, he came down, the Bible says, he came down with the ephod in his hand. got to get that we've got to get that you understand what that that was the garment that God had ordained for that high priest to put on his to put over his shoulders that that was the, the, the not only the burden of prayer but that was to find at times in a crisis it was to find the perfect and divine will of God to propel you, to move you to a place of spiritual destiny that you would never get to without direction. Are you with me? Here it was. They killed them all, but 
God saved one by afar. He was in fact in line. Now that Ahimelech, his dad, had been killed, he was the man. And he ran, but he didn't run empty-handed. He knew exactly what that ephod was all about. You see, David took the sword because that was what God had given him victory with. But Abiathar, he knew that the ephod was the key to it all. He ran back to where he ran to where David was, and he told him the story. He said, David, Saul has ordered, he has murdered all of the preachers in town. He says, but I have escaped, and here's the ephod. Little did he know that David was in where he was, and David was at that point. The city was burned. He was getting ready to possibly be stoned, and he said, Abiathar. Bring me the ephod. The church is built by Jesus Christ. He is the founder, He is the foundation, He is the head. But he has left it into the hands of the ministry. He has. He's left it into our hands. I sometimes don't like that idea. I'm sure, yeah. Sometimes I don't like that idea. But I'm here to remind every one of us that when we get into a crisis in life, the answer is not going to come from Yale. The answer is not going to come from Harvard. The answer is not going to come from CBC. The answer is not going to come from Finley unless he's working that day. The answer is going to come the same way that it has always been destined to come from. And that is that you tune in through your prayer, your connection to God who is trying to move you forward in your spiritual life. He don't want you to stay the same. He wants to move you. But it's not going to happen. David said, bring me the ephod. Listen carefully. You see, ziklag means, by definition, pressed down mentally to reveal what is inside. It means to bring forth something Contained internally. In other words, unless Ziklag burns, the world will never know what is inside of you, David. The, unless Ziklag burns, you will never come to a point where you have to rely on God to move you out of that situation. It's God's way of moving the church to a higher level with Him.
pressed down mentally to reveal what is inside. I could share a story with you about how that many years ago when my mother passed away and I had been left in charge of the church for five weeks, five weeks, because pastor was in Europe. And it's impossible, but it did happen this way. No preacher in the entire district called me. Probably because maybe they didn't find out about it. I don't know. We didn't have Facebook. There was one man that called me, and it wasn't because he heard about it. It was because he was checking on me. And I'll never listen to me. I'll never forget it. We were working, Kathleen and I both worked. I was working seven to six every day. And Monday morning before her funeral, there was nobody to preach. I could have probably reached out. And I preached that Sunday. And I preached a message that I've only preached one other time, and it was the other side of Calvary. But I want you to know that it was during that time that I had never felt so much growth in my life on a personal level as I did going through that particular time. pastor never did call till they got back. I was out in the wilderness, friend. Ziklag, mentally pressed down. Why? Because you never know what's inside until you get to that point. God can, God can break it open. That's why Paul could write this in 2 Corinthians 4. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. One version says, we have been surrounded and we've been battered by trouble. We are not demoralized. We are not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We have been spiritually terrorized, but God has never left our side. We have been thrown down, but we are not broken. That's Ziklag. David's Bible said David encouraged himself. He found strength. He says, Abiathar, please 
bring me the ephod. And the Bible says David inquired of the Lord, or David prayed, and he said, Lord, shall I pursue after this troop? The, when you used the unum and the thunum, it only was one answer, yes or no. See, it didn't come in sentences. Yes or no. Jesus said, yay or nay. The Lord said, yes. Whoa. Then he said again, Lord, shall I overtake them? Yes. And then the third time, will I recover all? Yes, David. Yes, yes, and yes. If there is anything worth pursuing, it is in pursuit of the family that the enemy has taken captive by this world. If there is anything that we need to be in pursuit of, it is, oh God, oh God, will you rescue my family from the clutches of the devil? Can I pursue that, God? The answer will come back, yes. Is there a chance for full recovery? And the answer will be yes. What's happening at the same time? Chapter 28, verse 5. Listen carefully. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, that's the ones that turned David down. They're going to battle. When Saul saw the army, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. You see, while David is recovering, everything that's been lost, Saul's dying on the battlefield. The thing that has led David to the point where he is, the enemy, God is taking care of the enemy while David is seeking the face of God. Listen carefully. Second Samuel, second chapter is devoted to the, uh, the words David speaks of Saul and Jonathan dying together on the battlefield. What a beautiful, what a beautiful chapter that is. I can't imagine. You need to understand the relationship of David and Jonathan in order to understand how that Jonathan was so loyal that he died on the battlefield with his dad. Now listen, and it came to pass after this, guess what David did? He inquired of the Lord. David didn't take it for granted. He didn't just arrogantly move on and knowing that he was the next king. He didn't do that. He said, listen carefully, 
chapter 2 and verse number 1, it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. David prayed, shall I go up now, Lord? Yeah, we would think that, well, yeah, hello, your enemy, you're destined to be, you've already been anointed to be the next king. Go, you don't have to ask. You don't have to ask God to, you don't have to inquire. I mean, come on, you're just, you know. David prayed, shall I go up? Shall I go up? Shall I go up? God wants you to go up. He wants you this way. He says to one of the cities of Judah, God said, yes, move. To which city he even asked. He don't just take it. He says, well, what city, Lord? He says, Hebron. So David moved to Hebron. Can we say here that there's a new move of God in David's life? Oh, come on. Can we say that God is moving in David's life at this point? He has elevated him. He has moved him from the clutches of the enemy. He has moved him out of that environment that has been owned by the Philistines, Ziglag. He has uh, allowed it to be burnt down. Why? David, because I'm going to move you up. I'm moving you up, David. You're going to get to, I'm going to move you to Hebron. Three things happen here in Hebron. One, 2 Samuel 2, 1, David is moving into a new environment. Hello. Hello, you know where? You know what is in Hebron? It is a burial place of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebekah, Leah. It's a new environment. There is a God, there is a, a God calling in that move. And then notice verse number two or verse number four. The second thing is there's a new anointing in David's life. I'm reading it. There's a new anointing in David's life. He had been anointed by Samuel before the first time around. But now God had moved him up to a place where the Bible says that, that the tribe of Judah, they came and they crowned him to be king and they anointed him for the second time. David, David felt a fresh anointing of God in his life. You want it, you, you want it, you gotta have that ziklag. You gotta have it burned. You gotta have it burned to the ground. God's got to move you forward and up if you want a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life. You've got to move, you've got to allow Him to move you into your destiny. 
say, well, I'm okay with living in Ziklag, nice little suburban country home provided by the world. Don't get too caught up in it. Home. New anointing in his life. Oh, yeah. We all need a new Holy Ghost outpouring in our life. Come on, folks. Do you ever need a fresh anointing by the power of the Spirit of God? It better be now. It's now or never. You can't afford to stay where you're at. You can't afford to be complacent. And the third thing that occurred in Hebrew was, is found in chapter number 3 and verse 1. The Bible says that David waxed stronger and stronger and the enemy's house got weaker and weaker. Hebrew was a place of spiritual growth and God expanding the place that David was ultimately going to have dominion over. It was a place of strength, growing. Wow. Got stronger, stronger. God poured a new anointing in his life. He was there for seven years. The word Hebron means this. It's a place of teaming up. It's building an alliance. And it is the burial place of those great patriarchs of faith. In other words, David, you can't live in the grounds of the enemy in order to grow. You gotta come to play where the, the 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 place of faith. You gotta come to where people have given their lives. You gotta associate yourself with the ancestry of that book of Hebrews, the eleventh chapter. You gotta relate yourself to your ancestors. Second Samuel 5, 3. After seven years, all the tribes come to David. Listen carefully. He has grown to the place that God wants him to get to. And now the Bible says that all the tribes come and they anoint him again. The third time. And David and his men go to the city of Jerusalem under control of the Jebusites. David and his men immediately set out to take them on, the enemy who lived in that country. But the enemy said, you might as well go home, David, for we could send the blind and the lame out to fight with you, and they would keep you out. Who do you think you are? We've never been overrun. 
Nobody has ever broke through these city gates. Who do you think you are? Oh. We're told that they had convinced themselves there's no way David could ever take their city. Verse number seven. Nevertheless, David, listen to these words. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same as the city of David. This is where God was trying to get David. Do you know that heaven itself is called after this city? Why? Well, because there is, there is spiritual history behind it from Melchizedek all the way through Christ. It is a place, it is the renowned city where it all started on the day of Pentecost. It's a place that God needed David to get to. And the Bible says that, that David took the stronghold of Zion. It would never, ever be released forever. It would lose its identity for about a thousand more years. But it would never lose its identity in the word of God. And Jerusalem is alive today. Why? Because David, because David went through the process that was in his destiny to claim it for the name of Jesus. Listen to this, verse number 10. David didn't stop there. It says that David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Jerusalem. There are multiple meanings, but let me just give you what I've come up with. It means complete or wholeness. Broke down the first part. Yara describes, listen carefully, describes the bringing about of a united effect by means of many little impulses. Or it is a place where they will see or they will feel the awe or the flow of God. Well, I don't think you're there. I'm not sure you're getting it. You understand? There's a God wants to take this assembly. God wants to take you as an individual. He wants to take you to a place where when you get there, those around you 
and you yourself and me included, we just stand back and we say, oh God, how did or why did you ever get me to this place where I am in so, you are so awesome in my life, God, I am in awe of you. And I feel, I feel you flowing, God. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in me, Jesus. I don't think you got it. Or, and it is, listen carefully, the environment from Ziklag to Hebron to Jerusalem, it says that, it's an environment that is so in touch with God as to be in constant rapture. Well, I don't want to be the, the hour that you think not. You better be in constant rapture. When the enemy hears what David, that David has arrived, listen carefully, the entire enemy force decide they're going to come against David. Chapter 5, verse number 19. David inquired of the Lord. Did he have that ephod? Ibathar, was he there? I don't know. But the Bible says David inquired of the Lord. He said, Lord... He's not, he's, you understand? He is still, he still understands that, that no matter where he is at in life, it is only the now decision that will give him a continued life of victory. It, he can't depend on what God did yesterday. He can't depend on it. It is the now decision that he is concerned about. He said, Lord, should I go against that enemy? The Lord said, yes, attack him. Will you deliver me them into my hand? The answer, yes. Go, for surely I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. As you stand with us today, David defeats them at a place called Baal Perazim. You know what that means? Here's what that means. The Lord has broke through. The Lord has broke through. You see, all this time, really, God was just trying to get David, could we say, to a spiritual breakthrough with an understanding that there was no enemy that they were not going to defeat together. There was nothing that God would not do for him. That he was on his side. 
But he said, David, it's important not just for you, but for those people that they understand that, that every step that you make, every, every time I give you a victory, you need to make sure that you give me the glory and you need to make sure that you asked me before you took them on or before you took this route. The Lord has broke through. Ziglag has gone up in flames. Moved to Hebron. But don't stop at Hebron. Don't stop there. Go for your destiny. The stronghold of Zion. The place of wholeness. A place where you are in the awesome presence of God. A place where I believe this. That any time you are there, you can ask and God will give you a breakthrough. It's when we succumb to the idea and the mindset that I have arrived. I've reached it. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. We're all good. Really? Where will your next breakthrough occur? Does God got to burn down a zigzag in order for you to get there? Or are you willing? Are you willing to burn that, burn that thing down yourself? Say, God, I'm asking. This world needs, this world is in great need. Brother Jeff and I were talking here recently, and I know of, my goodness, recently here, two, two suicides. One by a man in his 60s and another one by a 16-year-old accidental, I guess, but Folks, the devil is on a rampage. He is turning this, he is turning this world because he is the God of this world, in case you didn't know it. He's the God of this world. I don't serve the God of this world. I serve the God that created this world. I serve the God that's got, he has got control over everything that happens in this world. I serve a God that said, Lord, can you put the brakes on this situation? Thanks for asking. You know I can. But are you willing to go through it even if I don't? It's hot, those three Hebrews said. It's hot, and I know God can. He, can. he can take me out of that fire if he wants to, but whether he does or not, that's up to him. You read that story? I love the way that they put it. The Bible says that they yielded their bodies Those three Hebrews, they yielded their bodies 
that fire. God can. Up to Him. How many of you want a spiritual How many of you need a spiritual breakthrough today? How many of you want a spiritual breakthrough? How many of you want to move out of your zigzag? How many of you want to move beyond your Hebron? How many of you want to get to that place again? Listen carefully, carefully. We're not supposed to ever let the fire go out. It's never supposed to get dimmer. It's supposed to get brighter. It's supposed to burn hotter. It's supposed to light up the room when you walk in. Will you come this morning as they pray? It's a place of wholeness. Maybe you feel somewhat rejected. Remember, rejection sometimes is only a redirection to get you to the place that God, he's got a clear path for you. He's got a clear path. Come on. Come on. Come on. We can only, we can only testify of our own experiences, right? And those that we have seen, those that we have witnessed together. But I'm here to remind you today that you know how long it took for me to get to a place where I finally felt like that God was going to somewhat a measure of success in my walk with him. It took years. It took years. It took years. Anybody have a special need this morning? If you have a special need, come on, that's it. Let's lift our hearts to him. If you need physical healing, whatever it is that you might need today, I believe that God, I know God is able. Our part is that we pray with you a prayer of faith, believing that God's going to minister to that need. And it's up to him to do it. It's up to him to do it. It's up to us to pray with you. It's up to you to believe it. That's it. Come on. That's it. Come on. Come on, God. I believe God's got a great harvest for this assembly. I believe that there is a great revival. I believe that it may have already started in some of our lives. That's it. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 That's it. Oh, Jesus. Our Lord, our Lord, our Lord, our Lord. You are worthy, Lord.